When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Vietnam. This this edition of Andy and Art Debunked going out to our Vietnamese listeners. An unknown number of you. I don't know how many. We don't know how many downloads we get in Vietnam, but this one, this is for you, uh, because we're talking about today a quintessential Vietnamese topic. But before we get into it, before we get into it, I have to make some introductions. I am, of course. Uh, Andy, uh, of the titular Andy of Andy and Art Debunked, and with me is the other titular uh, of Andy and Art Debunked, Art. Whoa, 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 bunk funkers, how do you do today? Great, thank you, Art. Um, Happy to be here, Andy. Yabba-dabba-doo, I like talking to you. Hey, Art. Hey, Art. Um... Are you familiar with um, makeup? Um, hmm. Let me think. Makeup, 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 makeup. Cosmetics. Ah, cosmetics. Yes, Ulta beauty products. What's the number one rule of makeup? Doing your makeup. You got to take it off before you go to sleep. Well, otherwise okay. it gets all crusty. Start with a good foundation. Oh my God, Andy! Of course, you start with a good foundation. You, you gotta need have to match your skin tone, right? And then cover up all those disgusting blemishes. That's right. You've got to have something good to build on. Then you put on all the mascara and you go, "This baby pretty now, mommy. Baby pretty now, mommy." And then you throw your sister down the stairs. <laughs> oh, baby, but push her out of her wheelchair. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Is it the Untouchables? Uh, oh, that's, a ba- that's a baby carriage. Uh, Is that a movie you've seen? Is that one of the five? Yeah, no, no. I didn't see no, this movie. No, no. <laughs> um, what was that movie that... Uh, that uh, um, well, I don't remember the name of the movie. The movie's not important, Bunk Anyway. What's important is, are you doing your makeup right now? Are you doing your makeup right now? Because, <laughs> stop. <laughs> that's that's the that sound of that cock crowing. Sure <laughs> you. That's what my brakes sound like in my car. <laughs> I've got, I get 400 chicken power. <laughs> um, the point is, start with a good foundation. That's right. That's also the number one rule of home building. Oh my goodness, Andy. Wow, was that a segue? That's a segue. That's what's known in the biz bunk bunkers as a segue. It's where we transition from nonsensical bullshit into the topic at wow. hand. Um bunk bunkers today, we're talking all about Tim Allen. Tim Allen, <laughs> famous home builder from Home Improvement. That's right. Um, you may remember this show from the early 90s. It aired exclusively on Detroit cable TV, <laughs> but everybody saw it through syndicated uh, uh, TV where now, 
cameras followed uh, Tim Taylor around. Correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, yeah. but uh, there was actually a, uh, it's been lost forever on the cutting room floor, but there was a deleted episode of Home Improvement where you were the tool time girl. <laughs> it was me in a bikini and I just did that constantly. Yeah. Um, they described it as too bad to air and more offensive than if they had just filled the episode with racial slurs. That's even right. though I didn't say anything other than. <laughs> but I stepped on everybody's lines, you know, yeah. every time uh, Tim tried to talk, I would just go. <laughs> even if I wasn't in the scene, I would be off camera going. <laughs> That's right. And well, there's one pivotal scene where Wilson kind of has his, 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 ha- his hands and he's looking over the thing and then he's talking to Tim and then suddenly you appear. Right. And you go, but then you kind of fall off the apple yeah. crates that you were standing on. You fall and you go, oh, oh, oh. And you know what's really interesting? <gasps> you know, you when you work on a TV show, you get to meet the people uh, behind the scenes. That's right. And that Wilson guy, he was actually a real bastard. He was a real bastard? A real bastard, yeah. Um, you he, got into a lot of fights with Jonathan Taylor Thomas, too. Yeah, well, only one of us could be a teen heartthrob. It was definitely going to be a 40-year-old man 40, like yourself. 40, 40 year old at the time, uh, 40 years old, um, overweight, <laughs> obese, um, early stages of heart disease. I <laughs> was constantly wheezing, sweating profusely under the lights. I thought you looked great. Yeah, I did look there's great. Nothing, there's no better look for you than a bright pink bikini and construction boots. Yeah, and uh, a, <laughs> a big auger that you might use to like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Aug, aug, anything, augment stuff. Uh, so yeah, JTT and I had a little bit of a beef. That's right. Um, and yes, I did get arrested after putting him in a headlock. Uh, I'm sad that that'll never air. Yeah. I'm, I feel fortunate that I got to see it. Yeah, it's too bad. Um, but you know what? Home building. It lives on in the archives. Um, if you go to. Detroit's number one cable TV station, um, KDET. You can uh, check it out. It's still there. Yeah, don't go to KDEET. Deet, yeah. Deet. Don't go to KDET. KDET. Because they're not allowed to use that anymore. Yeah, that's... uh, That stuff will kill the deers. Yeah. Whatever Deet did. Yeah. What did Deet do? That channel's still allowed in... uh, What did Deet do? What did Deet do? I don't know. What did Deet do? What did Deet... What did he do? Uh, I think it's like R two D two. I think that uh, what did Deet do R two D two? Deet was like what an insect repellent, right? Yeah, that's me asking. R2-D2, I think it's actually what did okay, right? What isn't Deet okay? What did Deet do? I don't know. We don't know, and we don't give a shit. Uh, it's not worth. Bugbuggers, let us know what did Deet do? What did Deet do R two D two? Bugbuggers, if you know what Deet did, let us know. Uh. Tweet at us using the hashtag, what did he do? (laughs) (laughs) It's so stupid. Oh, God. What did he do? Anyway, home building. So, (laughs) Bunk Bunkers, pull out your Binfords. Pull out your Binfords, Bunk Bunkers. Get those those designs out. Whip out your Binfords. Get them humming. Uh, Your power drills. Get ready to get really ready to drill. We're, we're talking about architecture today. 
Yeah, baby. Uh, we're talking about the most famous architect in the history of the earth. The Mozart of architect. I mean, is that fair to say? I think so. Wow, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know anything about architecture. I'll be I honest I don't either. I don't know. But I have some opinions on it. Wow, I can't wait to hear them. Uh, <laughs> today we're talking about... Wait, you want to share them right now? <laughs> no. Or will it spoil no, no, no. Well, no, well, let's Let's share it at the halfway point. Okay. We'll take a break halfway. In between where the topic right. turns. Yeah. So... We're talking today about Frank Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright. Uh, you might have heard of him. And here's the thing, Andy. Don't get Frank Lloyd Wright confused with, you know, his his brother who sells a very refreshing soft drink, Frank Lloyd's Wright. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's weird that they are brothers, but have different names. It's true. And, you know, you don't want to get him confused with his with his other brother. Who uh who who might uh bite you in the middle of the, in your sleep? That's mm-hmm. Frank Lloyd might. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's definitely not to be confused with his their other other brother, estranged. Right. Um. Who you know you might you might go frolicking and, and enjoying um some leisure activities. That's Frank Lloyd kite. And, uh, but, you know, the family is descended from a proud lineage. That's right. That's true. Um, they are, you know, in their past, in the history of, of the, the family, uh-huh. uh, there was, of course, you know, generations ago, mm-hmm. uh, a famous crusader. Oh, really? Yeah. Frank Lloyd Knight. <laughs> I don't know why I made him a crusader. <laughs> really, really religiously intolerant. Yes. Famous thread in yeah, the family. Right. That's right. He, this uh, guy, big time Muslim. Yeah, big time. <laughs> wait, what? Oh, wait, no, wait. Oh, wait a minute. Not a, not a jihad. So uh, a defender of Damascus, or he's trying to yeah. take it back. Yeah, he was the uh, sultan of... Uh, uh, and then, there, of course, there's the rest of the family. Frank Lloyd Light, Frank Lloyd Bite, Frank Lloyd Sight. <laughs> Interesting fact. Frank Lloyd Light has 50% of the calories of Frank Lloyd Wright, <laughs> but all the same flavor. That's right. That's right. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright had lots of flavor, too, Andy, as we'll discuss. Right. Yeah. Yo, yeah. This is going to be a tangy episode. You guys might see it from, uh, you know, the, uh, well, I mean, we're going to we're going to talk about it right here with this right. section that's called intro. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bunkfuckers. We're going to do something a little bit different uh, today. <laughs> we are where we're going to start with something called an intro. Oh, <laughs> uh, this sort of sets up the topic for you uh, and s- introduces it. Yeah. Um, this isn't to be confused with the main feeds intro, which is the. Piece of bullshit that you skip. <laughs> this is the part you're going to want to pay attention to. You pay attention to. This one has actual information. That's right. Uh, so, Frank Lloyd Wright was an architect of some renown who designed more than 1,000 buildings. That's in a his lot life. of buildings. He was hugely influential in the architecture community and is recognized by some as America's greatest architect. His numerous achievements in building stuff overshadows his personal life, which honestly, was kind of fucked up. Uh, We're going to give you some background on Frank Lloyd Wright, talk about why he's famous, and then spill the hot tea on this guy's nasty little secrets. Ooh, we are going to air his dirty, fucking skid-marked laundry for all you little bunk-funkers out there, you little 
You fucking Perez Hilton motherfuckers want to eat this shit up. <laughs> what was that guy's name? I think it was Perez Hilton. I can't remember. Celebrity yeah. gossip blogs TMZ. Ooh, you just can't wait. You're gonna we're gonna dish. We're gonna spill. What's that guy's name? The TMZ guy? I don't know. Douchey, douchey fuck. Douchey fuck. Douchey fuck. Oh, my favorite band. <laughs> douchey fuck. <laughs> So here's some background on Frank Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright was born on June 8th, 1867, in the town of Richland Center, Wisconsin. Uh, Richland Center is uh, in the southwestern part of the state of Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, So I've never been there. I haven't either. Okay. Well, according to... I just want to say that I hated Aaron Rodgers before it was cool. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Green Bay is in the opposite corner of the state for you geography buffs out there. Northeast. Uh, according to Wright's autobiography, his mother, who was named Anna Lloyd Jones, uh, was who was and was a teacher, uh, declared when she was expecting her baby that her first child would grow up to build beautiful buildings. Wow! I she guess said she that. was fucking right. Um, so to further that, uh, Anna Lloyd Jones decorated her baby's nursery with engravings of English cathedrals torn from periodicals uh, to encourage. Uh, the baby to become an architect. You I could guess. have cut them out. Yeah, no, rip them. them. This is before scissors. <laughs> yeah, the 1870s. 18, 1867. Scissors didn't exist yet. Those weren't invented until 1941. <laughs> <clears throat> Part of that wartime. Thank God we have computer chips now so we can have scissors. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Anna, Anna pushed her son to be an architect. Uh, in 1870, uh, the Wright family moved to Weymouth, Massachusetts, where Frank Massachusetts Massachusetts. Yeah, I don't know why I said it like that. Does it? What kind of an accent is that? Massachusetts Massachusetts. It's like I Massachusetts Massachusetts. It's like I had a mouthful of jelly beans or something. You do. Ow! Oh, my funny bone. <laughs> that wasn't humorous. Oh. <laughs> you do have a mouthful of jelly beans, though. Oh, yeah. Well. You would, too, if you were me. <laughs> oh, that means. Fuck you. So in 1870, the, the Wright family moved to Weymouth, Massachusetts, where Frank's father, uh, William Carey Wright, uh, was a Unitarian minister to a small congregation. The Wright family, big time Unitarians. Like I said. Um, so William Carey Wright, who was Frank's father, was a musician and a published composer. Uh, he was a Baptist minister initially. And then he converted to Unitarianism um, to be more in line with Anna's family. Wow. Uh, and he got admitted to the bar to practice law in 1857. Wow. This was really a, an accomplished dude. I guess. Jack of all trades, master Andy, of none. Of tra- well, I, Andy, I think I don't know if that's fair to say. <laughs> Have you been admitted to the bar? Uh, you got kicked out of a lot I of bars. You got kicked out of a lot of bars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been kicked out or not allowed in for a lot of reasons, uh, being underage, starting fights, not being cool enough, mm-hmm. um, spilling drinks purposefully, trying to do flare bar tricks and spilling stuff all over people, uh, pretending that I work there <laughs> uh, at the bar, pretending you're a bar shot and sliding yourself across the bar to the man at the at the end and saying, drink me up, getting stuck in a toilet, <laughs> in the restroom. Having sex with the, the, are you sexy? Uh, what's your sex life machine? Yeah. Where you put your palm and it like measures your like <clears throat> mojo. 
Right. But I, you know, I got a low rating. So I figured, well, if I put my penis on the thing, it'll work. Yeah. Well, it didn't register right away. So right. I was like, oh, this machine's playing hard to get. <laughs> then I just had sex with it. Yeah. Those were dark times. Anyway, in uh, 1876, Anna saw an exhibit of educational blocks called the Frobel Gifts, the foundation of an innovative kindergarten curriculum. So this is like a, uh, this, this kindergarten, these wooden blocks were like part of a kindergarten curriculum. She okay. saw them. She was a teacher. Um, so the blocks themselves, these Frobel Gifts, uh, were geometrically shaped and could be assembled in a variety of combinations to form two three-dimensional compositions. Uh, Anna bought, at the time, her nine-year-old son, Frank Lloyd Wright, a set. And in his autobiography, Frank said, quote, For several years, I sat at the little kindergarten tabletop and played with the cube, the sphere, and the triangle. These smooth wooden maple blocks all are in my fingers to this day. He got so many splinters, the blocks were in his fingers for the rest of his life. Thank you. <laughs> Simpler times, Andy. Just, Simpler just times. three fucking blocks. Just a nine-year-old at a kindergarten table. Jeez Louise. Nothing but your imagination. You imagine if that was today, a nine-year-old playing at a kindergarten table? People would be like, <laughs> eh, this is wrong. I have to send him to the remedial class. Yeah. So the, uh, the Wright family kind of sucked financially while they were in uh, Massachusetts. So they spent too much money on blocks. Yeah, they spent they spent more than a year's salary on these blocks. Uh, so they moved back to Wisconsin, first to Spring Green and then to Madison, the capital. In 1884, William, uh, Frank's father, sued for a divorce from Anna on the grounds of quote emotional cruelty and physical violence and spousal abandonment. End quote. Just keep it in mind. Wow, motherfuckers. So wait, him from her. Yeah, he sued her. Wow. So uh, William, Frank's father, then left Wisconsin after the divorce was granted in 1885. Frank said he never saw his father again. In 1886, at age 19, Frank was admitted to study at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Go Badgers! Hey, Art, do you know the name of Wisconsin's Badger mascot? Um... Jonathan? <laughs> Am I close? Jonathan the Badger. <laughs> David? <laughs> oh, this is our mascot. Paul? Thomas the Badger. <laughs> He's just got a totally normal name. What, does Thomas have some special significance? No. Joshua? <laughs> <laughs> Ezekiel? <laughs> Abraham, <laughs> Job. Uh, I'm gonna go with something like Bucky. Yeah, it's Bucky. Now, how does that make you feel from an Ohio State guy? Because you got Bucky too, right? We got his name? Brutus. Oh fuck, Brutus! Oh, you fucking idiot! <laughs> Jesus Christ! How many times do I have to say it? Bucky this, is a, this is our Brutus mascot, Buckeye. Pontius Pilate the Badger. <laughs> Barabbas the Badger. Now that's a cool name. Yeah, Barabbas the Badger. Yeah. See? I should work at a college. Yeah, you should. I... 
Maybe a postgraduate college. Anyway. <laughs> Go. Anyway. anyway, jump. Jump. Jump around. Jump. For all you Badger fans. So, uh, Frank was admitted to UW-Madison as a special student and worked under Alan D. Conover, uh, a professor of civil engineering, before uh, Frank left the school without taking a degree. He didn't That's get his degree. Know. That's saying Dropped know. out. He's a fucking dropout. That means he's a genius. He's a genius. Don't need school. Doesn't need it. So also in 1886, Wright collaborated with the Chicago, the Chicago, the Chicago, the fuck is wrong with you? I tried to say Chicago and architectural at the same time, and it came out as Chicago. <laughs> fuck you. Don't which, this which name. is the, uh, the name of my, uh, Chicago cover band in high school. <laughs> Chicago. Yeah. 25 or... 69. Yeah, we didn't have any actual instruments. It was just people doing pantomiming. Yeah. Making noise with their mouth. So uh, in 1886, Frank got the chance to collaborate with the Chicago architectural firm of Joseph Lyman Silsby, uh, accredited as a draftsman and construction supervisor uh, on the 1886 Unity Chapel which was built for Wright's family in Spring Green, Wisconsin. So remember, they were big Unitarians. They commissioned this Unity Chapel to be built. Huge Unitarians. Big old, to help. big old brows on these guys. Yeah, huge brows. Real Anthony Davis stuff. Uh, <laughs> and Frank got to be the draftsman and construction supervisor for the project. So after this, in 1887, Frank moved to Chicago, presumably in search of a good Chicago dog or an Italian beef sandwich. Or some deep dish za, or a Maxwell Street Polish sausage. Sausage. The only reason to come to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely not for the weather. <laughs> or for the traffic. <laughs> uh, so anyway, instead of doing any of that shit, he took a job with Joseph Lyman Silsby's firm as a draftsman. Wow. So collaborated with him. Eighteen eighty six. Took a job in eighteen eighty seven. While with the Silsby firm. Frank also worked on two other family projects, his family projects, the All Souls Church in Chicago for his uncle, Jenkin Lloyd-Jones, and the Hillside Homeschool, uh, Hillside Homeschool in Spring Green for two of his aunts. Frank uh, eventually began to feel like Silsby was underpaying him at $8 per week. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. Uh, I don't get the problem. That's what I make. Oh. Being CEO of my own uh, nutrition shake business called Shake It Up. <laughs> I was going to say that might be what you make as uh, as as co-founder of Whole Enchilada Media. <laughs> might be even less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it is less than that. Anyway, I've got a lot of lucrative careers. <laughs> All right. So Frank's feeling underpaid at $8 he's a week. He's feeling like he's getting the... In the draft shaft. So he did what everybody's doing nowadays. He fucked off out of there and found work as an architectural designer at the film of at the firm of Beers, Clay, and Dutton. Uh, Frank decided he wasn't ready to design buildings by himself, so he quit again. Whoa! He quit Beers, Clay, and Dutton uh, and went back to Silsby, but he got a pay raise. There you go. Making Good move. Eight dollars and one cent a week. 
<laughs> no, I don't know what it was. So I like Beers, Clay, and Dutton. That sounds like two guys who formed a business and then also decided they were going to form a business with their favorite drink. This almost this sounds like uh like like the pottery version of like wine and art. <laughs> yeah. Or like skeet shooting. <laughs> anyway, in 1888, Frank left Silsby again Jeez, and became an apprentice at the Adler and Sullivan firm. Wright did not get along well with uh, Sullivan's other draftsmen. Uh, he wrote that he wrote that several violent altercations occurred between them during the first years of his apprenticeship. Jesus so, Christ, fighting with the other draftsmen. Louis Sullivan, the titular Sullivan, became a mentor to Frank despite all of this stuff. So by 1890, Frank had risen to head draftsman and handled all residential design work in the Adler and Sullivan office. He also had an office right next to his mentor, Louis Sullivan. Adler and Sullivan, as a firm, generally didn't design or build homes except as a favor to important clients. It was more like commercial buildings. Wow. Uh, so Frank did design work for residential homes during this period of his life, but mostly in his off time, in the evenings or weekends, uh, since he was busy with doing commercial buildings during the day as part of his job. Uh, Frank later claimed total responsibility for the design of these houses, but a careful inspection of their architectural style and accounts from historian, uh, from historian Robert Toombley suggest that Sullivan dictated the overall form and motifs of the residential works. Frank's design duties were often reduced to detailing the projects from Sullivan's sketches. It's not too scandalous, but no. I, hey, this is this guy's vision, but this guy's the one implementing it. It's uh, you know who's the one who's doing all the work here. Look, I'm just throwing this out here. Frank's, um, Frank's a good self promoter. We're going to talk about it a lot that's more. True, we're going to talk about his fucked up life. We're going to get there. You can see flashes of it already. Yeah, getting fights, throwing this, protractors around. This, this section flashes of of what you're going to hear about later. So to supplement his income and repay his debts. Frank accepted independent commissions for at least nine houses. We're going to talk more about Frank's financial position. Um, but Frank accepted independent commissions for at least nine houses during this time at Adler and Sullivan. Yeah. Now, Louis Sullivan did not know about Frank's independent work until 1893 when Sullivan recognized that one of the houses, like he saw a house in his neighborhood and he knew right away it was a Frank Lloyd Wright design. Like he, wow. he could recognize it from the, the design of it. So uh, Frank's contract, he had a five-year contract, which we will, we will talk about in a little bit. But he had a five-year contract with the firm. And that contract forbade him from doing any outside work. And this incident led to his departure from Sullivan's firm. Jesus Christ. So he's quit like how many fucking positions now? So let's see. This is wild. Yeah. I've like, never quit anything in my life. You ever quit a job? I've never quit a job, but I've quit on a lot of things in my personal life. Like uh being a good son. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I mean huh? I, I meant jobs specifically. Sure, oh, no, I've we'll be here all fucking day. We list the personal <laughs> shit we've quit in our lives. No, I've never quit a job. Um I don't know. I I guess I feel I, like a lot of people like they're like, Yeah, and then I quit. I've taken different jobs. Yeah. But I've never like quit a job. Right. Without just moving to another one, right? Like, I guess I've technically quit jobs. I guess I have two. It's not like I've only had one job. But I've never, like, stormed out. That's right. And your one job is that you shovel poop 
at a local zoo. Yeah. And you don't get paid. No, no, that's volunteer work. Oh. And I do it eight hours a day, <laughs> seven days a week. <laughs> and I don't really love animals. <laughs> but I love dung. <laughs> Ding dong. So doing these independent homes kind of fucked Frank over from this job at Adler and Sullivan. Yeah, it did. Um, so that said, there are some different versions out there of this story of Frank leaving Adler and Sullivan. So in his own autobiography, Frank said he was unaware that his side ventures were a breach of his contract. So when, and Frank says this, this is what Frank is saying. Yeah. When Lewis Sullivan learned about the side ventures, he was angered and offended. He forbade any further outside commissions and refused to issue Frank the deed to his Oak Park house. We'll talk about it. What? We'll talk about it until after he completed his five years. Uh, Frank could not stand all of this hostility from his master. He called him his master uh, and thought that the situation was unjust. He quote, fuck, is he a fucking Jedi Padawan situation? It's a very, very master, please. No, not sand. I hate it. I killed them all, master. Even the younglings, especially the younglings. (laughs) I hate children. They're like sand. They can get anywhere. No, master, I'm ready. I'm ready. Two children could fit in one adult pair of pants. <laughs> They're just like sand. <laughs> this fucking master. Okay, what's this fucker talking about? <laughs> so uh, Frank said he couldn't stand all this hostility between him and Sullivan, uh, and he thought that the situation was unjust. He, quote, threw down his pencil and walked out of the Adler and Sullivan office never to return. Wow, that's dramatic. Uh, Lewis Sullivan's partner, Adler, later sent Frank the deed to his house in Oak Park. Again, we will get into that situation. Um, So then one of... That's Frank's version of the story, right? Of course, it makes Frank look fucking cool as hell. Right. It makes him look like he didn't have a clue. Lewis Sullivan was a dick about it. Right. And so Frank said, fuck this. He flipped a table, flipped him the bird, and fucking left. Big Chad energy. From yeah, that big one. Chad that energy. Take. Yeah. So one of Frank's apprentices said Frank told a group of apprentice architects that Sullivan fired him on the spot about when he learned about this, you know, Contract these, side, breach. these side projects. Uh, the apprentice also said Frank had another draftsman sign off on the projects because he knew they weren't allowed under his contract. <laughs> so, Jesus Christ. I mean, that pretty much undercuts everything that Frank said in his autobiography. So. Whatever the real story is, Wright and Sullivan didn't speak uh, for 12 years after that. So Frank Frank and Lewis, tight as could be, this thing, then they didn't speak for 12 years. I can respect that. You know, Andy, if you ever double-crossed me, I wouldn't speak to you for 12 years. Exactly. 12 years, Andy. What do you think they would be like? Um, well, now i got to figure out a way to double-cross you. So you <laughs> stop Leave me the fuck alone. I can't get away from this guy. (laughs) Help me. (laughs) So after he left Adler and Sullivan, Frank established his own practice. He was finally finally ready to strike out on his own. In 1884, Frank was introduced to famed Chicago architect and city planner, Daniel Burnham, who offered to finance a four-year education at the Ecole des Beaux-Arts and two years in Rome. 
with a job at Burnham's firm on Frank's return to the USA. Damn, that's a good fucking deal. That is a great deal. Do you know anything about Daniel Burnham? No. Um, what did he do? He designed some shit, right? Some cool shit. The Cardinal building. What did he design? Well, yeah, but building? he's like the city, the layout of the city, like the ah, city plan is like what he did. his design. He did it. Uh, the World's Fair. Wow. So he's a big deal. He's a big deal. The 18, uh, what was that? 18, uh, 84. What was it? When was the World's Fair? I don't remember the year, but. 1869. The big, the big World's Fair. He was the like lead designer. He's the guy, the devil in the white city. That's him. That's him. That's well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever. You get the idea. The White City, where he was responsible for That's the right. devil. The devil is somebody else. The devil was somebody else. Okay, who is it? Charlie Daniels. <laughs> you get into a fiddle contest with the devil, and that's what you do. And the what? devil's just like Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> This is pathetic. What the hell is that guy's name? We got to do an episode on that guy. Yeah. It's like it's like three H's. It's like Hunter, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Helmsley. <laughs> 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 was wow. that a fucking bunker alarm? God damn, that was whoop, sink. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, wow. Bunk tech bunker alarm 3000 playing that, <laughs> playing Triple H's name. Uh, I can't time, remember. Time to play the game. I can't remember his name. I just said his name the other day. Dan Johnson. I don't remember. Anyway. Guys, guys, like a huge serial murderer, huge serial murderer. Had this like castle, and he. Oh, um, Holmes, H. H. Holmes. Yes, that's it. That's the famous Chicago. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd that's, be a great topic. That's the devil in the White City. Yeah, that dude was fucked up beyond belief. Yeah. Yeah, totally fucked up. Totally fucked. Very up. cool. <laughs> Very, Very fucked fucking up. rad. Very fucking rad. Great doctor. Insurance fraud. Rocket murder. Power. Very cool. Very fucking cool, dude. So Shaka. anyway, so anyway, Daniel Burnham. Offers this fucking great deal. It's a great Frank. deal. Frank's like, nah, what? Don't want it. Frank turned down the offer, feeling he would be creatively stifled. Oh my god! By the classical education, he has a point. Basquat. What? Basquat. 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 What? Famous painter. Oh, among I mean, a lot of other things happened to Basquat, but uh, Basquat was a very creative, famous painter. He had all this creative expression and he was so fucking like raw and talented. And then all these fucking people in the art community, you know, just globbed onto him. And then they tried to have him go do like a formal art. He was never fucking trained. He just fucking drew. They had him go trying to do like a formal education. Totally ruined the guy. Wow. And then I think he, I think he died from like a heroin overdose. Wow. So, uh, I guess they best squashed his dreams. So anyway, Frank turned down the offer. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> like, best squash that kid's fucking dreams. <laughs> so, in 1896, uh, Frank moved his office to a shared space with a few other young architects. I mean, presumably this was like, a Regis or a WeWork. I don't know for sure. Um, <laughs> but he moved to a shared office space with a few other young architects who were inspired by Louis Sullivan uh, and the arts and crafts movement. Um, arts, arts like giggling. <laughs> so they're making like fucking macaroni paintings yeah, and yeah, shit. Was, like, yeah. 
little fucking popsicle stick like birdhouse. It's basically like you design a building like you normally would, and then you just cover the whole thing in glitter. <laughs> <laughs> glitter and macaroni, baby. No, the uh, the arts and crafts movement. Let's see if I can dig this out of my brain. Dig this it out of your like, brain. This was like a popular thing in England. Um, in the time immediately preceding when we're talking about here in the late 1800s wow. here in the USA. But um, it's like, uh, I think the general philosophy behind it, the aesthetic of it is sort of like uh, less like mass produced type of, of, of thing, like a more stylized uh individual like crafty looking type of thing so it's like ah where it's like there's like fine like you might have wallpaper but instead of it just being like straight lines or something like it would be like a little design or something. right right it feels I, very I mean, like look i'm crafted yeah i'm no like architect rather I, than like row homes which were like you know things and then, yeah, yeah so it's more of a more of like an individual like right. style type that of makes sense with when you, if you look up some of frank lloyd wright's designs and work right yeah they're all unique they're all fucking like bold we'll talk about it they're big they're bold they're beautiful bold and brass um i mean these are big beautiful buildings <laughs> uh so <laughs> Ugh. so they uh so uh they this group of young architects formed what was eventually known as the prairie school It's not a very cool name. So, no whole enchilada media. <laughs> just saying. Uh, so by 1901, Frank had completed about 50 projects, including many houses in Oak Park, Illinois. Yeah. Um, Frank's, I mean, which, you know, Bunk Funkers. Do yourself a favor. We are Chicago based. And we're fucking based. <laughs> yeah. We're red pilled. We're based. <laughs> uh and we know where Frank Lloyd Wright's homes are in we Chicago. We fucking know where they are. But there are actually quite a few. There's a lot of them. Frank Lloyd Wright houses that are still standing. In fact, just a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken, um, there is a Frank Lloyd Wright home that was on the market on the south side. And it it's one of these that hadn't had any upgrades for a while. So you could actually get it for kind of a steal. I think it was like, like less than $200,000. That's a that's a that's incredible. I thought you were going to say like a million, two hundred thousand. Like it was less, much less than a million. Where on the south side? I can't remember. I can't remember the neighborhood. I can't remember where it was exactly. But I think that it was. I don't even remember. Yeah, I can't remember the neighborhood. But I think it was like closer to the lake. Okay, but like south shore, south of. I don't know. I think it's like south of south of ninety five. No. I think it was north of 95, wow. closer to the lake. Funkfunkers, you guys enjoying this? <laughs> you, yeah, look it up. I don't know. It's on Zillow or something. Do, do yourself a favor, Red though, thing. and look up Frank Realtor. Lloyd Wright's houses. Look them up. They're, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a second here. Beautiful. Yeah. They're fucking gorgeous. Sure. They're incredible. Sure. I, you know, I got some feelings about them. Okay. I need to share these feelings. Okay. Well, with these houses. All right. Well, you're going to have to... Put these feelings back in your pants for a second. So All right, I'm gonna put my we pants get to the back turn. On. We're All right, get... I'm putting bungers and zip my pants back up. You're gonna, you can, you can, you can Throw undo, undo your pants, and let your feelings be known <laughs> during the intermission. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, so uh, in 1901, uh, well, yeah, I guess we already said that he'd completed 50 projects by 1901, um, and Frank's residential designs of this 
general time period were known as prairie houses. Prairie school, prairie houses. Yeah. So uh, Frank was, we are kind of mentioned this before, but Frank was a good promoter of himself. And when he was ready to quit doing prairie style homes, he went to Europe in 1909 with a portfolio of his work and presented it to Berlin publisher Ernst Wasmuth, who published a book of more than 100 lithographs of Frank's work in 1911. Uh, this was Frank's first major European exposure. Now, Art, your first major European exposure was when a breeze blew up your kilt when you were in Scotland. That is true. I was exposed. I was exposed. Everybody saw my scotch eggs and my haggis. Yeah. Now, yeah. and my banger. <laughs> What's the haggis? It's my taint. They saw the full Monty, baby. Yeah. The full, they saw the full yard, the, the full, full Scotland yard, the full, the which full, is the uh, racing stripe the of pubes. The, Scotland yard. The full art breakfast, as it were. That's right, baby. They saw your baked beans. <laughs> Those are my big beans. And your charred tomato. <laughs> my fry toast. Your blood sausage. <laughs> <laughs> No, I want underwear. Come on. Hey, fun fact. I've never been to Europe. You're not allowed. No. You're I have barred. to settle for exposing myself in the USA. Not allowed to leave the country. <laughs> Such an Maybe if I stopped exposing myself, I wouldn't be on so many watch lists. The but story- let's face it, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> the story behind you, that is my, probably, that is, a, that is definitely my top five, like, facts about Andy and stories about Andy that just, they always bring me joy. Brings an immense smile to my face knowing that you were not allowed to go to Europe is just so fucking funny to me. Yeah, if you're not familiar with this bit of God, my, it's so funny. My actual personal lore. I love fuckers, it. Uh, I was I was in the I was in the concert band, in the marching band. <laughs> Told band band geek in when I was in high school. You're a band geek. You played the trombone. Played the trombone. Uh, I I started, I played the trumpet and then they asked me to switch to the trombone and I said, Yeah, I know how to work a boner. And the rest is history. And so they did this thing. They had this thing um, called uh, Ohio Ambassadors of Music. And right. And it was like a program set up in the state where kids across the state in high school could go to Europe like a tour. And you get to go to different cities. You play concerts. You play concerts. Uh, and all this stuff. And it seemed like a great experience. And there was one summer and all of my friends in the band uh, were going and it was like a selection process and I didn't get selected. And I was like, oh, this kind of sucks. And so I spent like, you know, a few weeks in the summer, whatever, while everyone was gone, just like hanging out by myself. <laughs> most of my friends were there. No, you're not telling it right. And then I found out yes. later. No, this is all, this is, I'm t- <laughs> telling it right. The way I no okay whatever. Wait wait I'll tell it the right way and then you tell it how you want to feel. Go it. ahead go ahead. And so then everybody came back and they were like, uh, you know, we didn't want to tell you this, but <laughs> now that it's over, I guess we can. Like, <laughs> you know, you weren't you you didn't get selected. It wasn't you didn't get selected because they were you know you were basically like banned. It wasn't it wasn't based on your merit as a player. Right. It was because they were worried I would be an embarrassment to the nation. (laughs) 
My band director was worried I would embarrass the United States internationally. You would be an embarrassment to the fucking nation. And that, what could I have done? That motherfucker looked at you, high school, little high school Andy, and was like, I can't have that fucker with me for three weeks. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. He's going to embarrass me in France. He's going to embarrass me in England. Now, fun story, bunk funkers. Oh, my God. Additional fun story. Oh, God. I love that Art, story Art and I so much. And our friend Skylar. Oh, fuck. Had a comedy team called the Fun Fun Boys. Oh, God. And our very first sketch show that we wrote. That's true. We did at a theater near where I grew up. Um, and this was one of, in our, whole, in our whole time together, this was our most lucrative financially project because. And our most attended project. Yeah, we, we sold like. There was like 300 fucking 300 people, people in that audience. To see our sketch show. Um, Boy. You know, when we got asked to do it. um. You know, it was through like family connections of mine yeah. that we got this offer. And my wife <clears throat> explained to the uh, creative director at the theater that this was a very R-rated show. Um, she told me that they were okay with it. I was like, I think they should read the script and make sure that they are okay with this because I don't think this I is... I didn't know that. And so I sent them the script ahead. They said, it's fine. We want to do something a little more adult in the theater. Um, and well, God, that a dumb move. They never really communicated that it was an adult show and they never did the promotional photo. They ran of us was a Photoshop cartoon of us that art created for Thanksgiving. So it was our promo picture. Why that one? I don't know. I don't know why they picked. I think they plucked it off our Facebook page or something. Yeah. Anyway, um, they ran this cartoon photo of us, so people clearly thought that this was a fun family night of comedy. They also they also promoted it as like Second City because we had all taken <laughs> classes at Second City. Yeah, Andy and I have never worked for Second City. We've never even made it into the fucking Second City Conservatory, which you can think of like their their you have to audition to get in. Andy and I auditioned. Look, we're both twice. blackballed from Second City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to reiterate, like Second City is like Europe to me. I'm not allowed have, to go there. That's true. We have paid the Second City money to to fucking learn how to do stupid improv. And then when we tried to like get in to say, hey, we'll pay you more money, they said, we don't want we you. We didn't do it good enough. Um, but anyway, uh, you already know we're not good enough at comedy to make it right, that's successfully. True. Uh, but so we did the show at this at this theater and they totally, I mean, I just want to reiterate, they, they fucking promoted it so wrong. It was very it promoted very wrong. Um, I did a couple of radio interviews. Um, in the run up, I know I did a, an interview for the news for the newspaper and one for the radio, right. and separate interviews. And I was like, <laughs> and I made sure in both to like mention that it was like R rated, adults only, eighteen and over, whatever. Yeah, uh, don't bring your kids unless you want to hear. Yeah, you want them to what, learn about the bestiality. Lead, the lead sketch, yes, one of the lead sketches in the show is a sketch where, um. We talk about Andy plays a dad who wants to have who has had sex with a deer Sky, multiple times. Skyler wrote this sketch. Yeah, uh, the genesis, the idea of the sketch, right, was that this dad like says ridiculous things when he gets mad. Right, like he said, "I will shit on a fire," uh-huh. and then he like gets really pissed off and he says, "I will fuck a deer." Yeah, and so he keeps getting like 
wound up and he keeps saying, I will fuck a deer. And then at the end, it turns out he wants to have sex with a deer. Yeah. That's his whole thing. Yeah. And so, um, so that tells you this kind of weird, stupid sketch of this. And it was, there's tons of other weird, crazy shit. It's a lot of stuff like that. And obviously it didn't go over that well. Um, no, it didn't. We, <laughs> bunkfuckers, as far as performance goes, sharpest we ever were doing that show. Probably. We did it for like four weeks here in Chicago. Yeah. And we had like a, a while in between doing this show. Uh, it was around holiday time, so we swapped out a couple things for some Christmas-themed. We did? Yeah. A kid at a business meeting, we made it like a holiday pitch instead of uh, oh, wow. just insensitive things. Um, I forget. There was some other stuff. The point is, we did it really well. Yeah. We nailed it. We did. And it went over like a lead balloon. Uh, there were a few people that were younger that really enjoyed it, um, but most of the people were older and hated it. A couple of people walked out. Some people walked out. Um, an old woman apparently told the box office that uh, there was so much foul language. And I believe her quote was that uh, she didn't pay money to see this shit, which mm, seems mm. a little hypocritical. Very but hypocritical. The point is, it didn't go over well. And to tie this back into me not being allowed to go to Europe, my band director from high school was a director of the theater, like the foundation for the theater. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we also now are banned from performing at that theater. We're banned from that theater? Yeah, I don't know. I say we're banned. I don't uh, know, I don't know if we ever got back. officially banned, but I know uh, the guy, the creative the dude director. dude who booked us, the creative director, like, he liked it. He, he liked had fun it. fun with it, but it was like, very nice. He wouldn't respond to my message after I, like after the show. Right. Like I sent something to him to like, and he never even responded. Yeah. Um. So, but the point is, we're probably never allowed to play that theater again. Yeah. Um, and uh, I saw my cousin recently got married. We saw my band director at the wedding, at the reception. He wouldn't make eye contact with me. Wow. Walked. He knew he was right. He was right. You would have embarrassed would have the em- nation. I would have embarrassed him. You would have done something with that trombone. You would have been making fart jokes. You would have been using the trombone as like a big boner <laughs> penis to push up the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You would have been doing all Anytime sorts of Anytime anything shit. went wrong, I would have gone, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> he was so fucking right. Yeah, he was a visionary. He was. He knew. Every time he sees you, he's like, I was so fucking right. So anyway, kid to Europe. Thank God I the, the bottom Europe. line is I'm like, a hero. The bottom line is that apparently my high school band director is my nemesis now. <laughs> oh creative, God. He's my creative nemesis. It's true. You know what's funny though? Ty, uh call back to the beginning of the show. He actually in high school was in a Chicago cover band. Wow. Loves Chicago. All right. So that anyway, was Frank Lloyd Wright. Anyway, Frank, that was our detour into my personal life. A little and detour history. into one of my favorite pieces of Andy's lore. Wait, what? How? Wait, before we go on to huh? Frank Lloyd Wright, hmm? you said I was telling it wrong. How I guess you, you told it? it right. You you oh. got to the part that I love, which is just that like basically they thought you were an embarrassment to the nation and they didn't want to let you come on the trip. And nobody told me that before. Nobody told you that before. You so, thought maybe you just didn't get it because you weren't good enough. I was. <laughs> Yeah. Or whatever. You just didn't yeah. make it. Yeah. I felt, you know, I was like, man, it's, it seems 
like weird that everybody else would get to go and not me. You were the only one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not like the only person. Yeah. Okay. But like I had a, I had like a close group of friends and in that group of friends, everybody went except me. And then of course they come back and they're like, oh, they're all talking about Europe. And I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> I get it. And they're like, oh, you got to meet all the friends we met, you know, on you this made, trip. They made all these friends. Like, great. Great. Very cool. I was here, you know, playing video games. And then it's like, oh, by the way. Jesus Christ, they laid it the in. The band here. director didn't want you to go because you would embarrass the USA. <laughs> of all the fucking shit that the USA does to embarrass itself, me, I'm the thing that's going to... Oh, God, Europe <laughs> Europe has such a sterling, rep, you know, opinion of Americans. I mean, I guess it was post 9-11. Maybe there was still... <laughs> They were still feeling that like 9-11 vibe. But it's, oh, me, I'm the one that's going to fucking embarrass America. Oh, my God. High school me. Oh, people in France are going to be like, oh, my God. Sacre bleu. I used to love America. And now I hate them. Oh, that horrible teenager. Yeah. Well, I say... <laughs> This chap's not the sort of American I'm used to. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> my face hurts. Oh, God. I'm so glad that everyone got to hear that story. <laughs> oh, fuck. I love that story so much. It brings me so much joy. Mm. Fucking band director. Mm. 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 My nemesis. Ugh. Could just eat that story up all day long, blend mm. it into a milkshake. All right, we gotta we gotta fucking finish up Frank Lloyd Life. <laughs> we only have we like, haven't even got to the fucked up. We part. haven't got. <laughs> this is just this is just what happened. We had to go into our fucked up lives. That's well, true. my fucked up life, I guess. Yeah. So anyway, um, in 1917, Frank began building buildings in Japan. Another place where you may or may not be allowed. I'm not, definitely not allowed in Japan. It's too tidy and orderly. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. And people care too much about each other. That's true. Uh, people love supporting, you know, societal norms. It's very collective society, right? You and I'm, I'm, I'm a cowboy, baby. <laughs> Moo! I'm literally a cow. <laughs> Move over, Japanese people, coming through. Honk honk on my rascal. Oh, God, they would hate you. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. So anyway, uh, Frank's, Frank's work in Japan ended up inspiring a lot of young Japanese architects. He's having a global reach. So um, about this time, Wright uh, conceived a new type of dwelling that came to be known as the Usonian House, uh, which was born out of a concept proposed in his 1932 book, The Disappearing City. 
Usonian houses commonly featured flat roofs and were usually constructed without basements or attics. As in the prairie houses, Usonian living areas had a fireplace as a point of focus. Bedrooms, which were typically isolated and relatively small, encouraged the family to gather in the main living areas. Uh, many features of modern American homes date back to right. Uh, open plans, slab on grade foundations, and simplified construction techniques that allowed more mechanization and efficiency in building. So Frank ultimately left quite a legacy inspiring architects worldwide and with impressive structures still awing people today like New York City's Guggenheim Museum in the heart of Manhattan. The Googs. The Googs. So that's that's the background on Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah. Now, Art, did you look got... up any of his uh, buildings? Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. 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 They're beautiful. You know, I'm not somebody who knows anything about architecture. I no. couldn't tell you the first thing about it, but this is how you know this guy's great. Even if you know nothing about architecture, you can look at this guy's buildings <clears> and be like, God damn, that's a fucking... Beautiful house. That's cool. The waterfall, or what is it? The, wa the falling water. Falling water is probably the most famous, most like, I don't want to say avant-garde, but like, just I think the most spectacle of uh, his spectacular, most spectacular house. What they don't, what they don't tell you is that that house had to go through a couple of like, you know, more modern uh, renovations well, if you will fucking ancient yeah. to to help it not collapse yeah it's over a hundred years old andy come on cut it some slack no i won't i but grew even, up in a house that was more than a hundred years old even as usonian houses which is not a layout that i like but i still look at those and you're like oh this is every fucking modern pinterest fucking house <laughs> i mean and he was doing it in the early 1900s i think it's funny to sit today with the way that people talk about homes today yeah, and go back to Frank Lloyd Wright and think of something like an open floor plan as being revolutionary. Right. When it's like, oh, just everybody has an open floor plan. Everything's an like, open floor plan. You know, that's like a Frank Lloyd Wright yeah. pushed idea. Right. I'm not going to say he created it, but no. like this is something that he pushed. It's in a lot of his design. Right. Thoughtful design. But then he's just got like even the prairie houses are like, whoa, like this is fucking wild. Like these, some of these estates that he's built and mm -hmm. um, different things. And it's like, God damn, that's some fucking that's some, some beautiful houses. Yeah. It's like watching, um, you know, you might not know anything about basketball, but you watch fucking Michael Jordan play and you're like, fuck, I get it. That's incredible. Yeah. I don't know. I feel about architecture the way I feel about art. Not you, but like oh. fine art. Oh. Um, I, or like music or anything. I really don't know anything about anything. I guess I'm a oh. bit of an idiot. And I only know, it's like, you can see some things and you say, I like that. Sure. Like, it's subjective. Yeah. It's like, you know. Most Frank, definitely. Frank Lloyd Wright, I can look at some of these buildings that he's responsible for and I go, I like that. Yeah. No, and I think the same thing with art. Buildings. I don't know anything about like painting. But it's like you see some paintings. I like that. That's right. I don't know anything about music. Obviously, I'm not allowed to go to Europe because I can't play music. It would be too embarrassing uh, for the USA as an, as a nation. You know, I would be the representative of the United States in this instance. You know, despite all of the adults around <laughs> and me being an underage teen, a hot, horny teen, That's underage, right. not legal, yeah, not even barely legal, not no. legal at all, yeah. I would be, they would say, oh my God, this is so horrible. A child acting this way. What an embarrassment to the entire nation. 
clearly this child is the representative of the entire United States of America. And all of the adults with him are completely blameless. <laughs> yeah, like I can't imagine that anyone rolling in your fucking crew was on their best behavior while in Europe. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe you're the instigator. I can see that. I just like to have a good time, baby. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Um, but I hear something I like. I'm like, I like that. Yeah, no, definitely. Know, you know, somebody who knows a lot about music might be like, well, here's all the reasons that this is a fucking shitty song. And I'll be right. like, I don't care. I like it. Right. Um, Dickhead, shut the fuck up. Yeah, Killjoy. Fuck up, Killjoy. Hey, I got something you can listen to. Sound of my foot going up your ass. It's me farting into your face. Friggin' dummy. That's fucking aggressive. That's really aggressive. That is definitely. Well, don't come up to me and tell me the song I like is that shit. Is, that is aggravated battery. <laughs> Believe it or not. Oh, another band I love. Aggravated battery. Oh, um, yeah. Like I'm the, picturing a really mad, like D battery. <laughs> ah! That's that's there's a good mascot. Aggravated a battery. Great mascot. The, the fighting aggravated batteries. <laughs> um, no, these. I think these houses are beautiful, and um, you know, I personally, what I I don't like Usonian style houses. I don't like houses that are on slab. Um, I want a basement. So fuck all that noise about the family gathering and then fuck that. I want a basement where I can sit and be safe like a little fucking underground dwelling creature that <laughs> shouldn't be allowed outside. That's why that's how I like right. my life. That's why I like the bunker. Um, I like living in a tiny fucking cave like a disgusting creature that is hidden from society. I like that. That's a comforting feeling to me. That's I feel at I feel at home there. Right. Yeah, you don't you hate open floor plans because you like for each part of the house to be its own lair. <laughs> and completely segregated and difficult to get to from other parts of the that's house. That's right. That's right. And especially from the, the any entrances. That's right. Or exits to the home. I hate windows. I don't want any natural light in my house. I don't I don't need it. I can see why you love Frank Lloyd Wright. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are beautiful homes. Um, but this dude was <clears throat> fucked up. So the, one interesting thing is that uh, Simon and Garfunkel have a song called So Long, Frank Lloyd Wright. Uh, so long, Frank Lloyd Wright. We will kiss you goodnight. Here's to you, Frank Lloyd Wright, his son. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it goes. I <laughs> honestly have no idea. But um, they have a song called Frank Lloyd Wright. And... Uh, Paul Simon wrote it um, because Art Garfunkel was leaving the group. Um, obviously, Art Garfunkel with his hugely successful solo career. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, way overshadowing Paul Simon's yeah. solo career. But Art Garfunkel left the the duo <clears throat> and he asked Paul Simon. Great name. You know, Art Garfunkel was. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, was an architecture major. He asked Paul Simon, write a song. Frank Lloyd Wright. So Paul Simon didn't know anything about Frank Lloyd Wright. So he wrote this song called So Long Frank Lloyd Wright. Hmm. And I don't think it has anything to do with Frank Lloyd Wright. I have no idea. But it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. But that's fun fact. Um now, we've been teasing it, and we're ready to get you off Frank on Frank Lloyd Wright. 
fucked up life. He's got a fucked up fucking life. This dude's life is fucked up. This He's dude's fucked. life is fucked Stop. up. Franklin's life fucked up life. It's fucked up. So fucked up now life. we're going to talk about how fucked up Frank Lloyd Wright's life is. Super fucked up, dude. So in 1888, let's start as far back as we want to go. Uh, in 1888, Frank met Catherine Lee or Kitty, Kitty Tobin, uh, by bumping into her at a mask ball at All Souls Church. Nothing, nothing. That, that just feels that makes me unsettled. Uh, yeah, mask ball at church. Um, Frank said he wanted to marry her, quote unquote, right away. Kitty was only 17 at the time, whereas Frank was 21. We told you. Dude was fucked up. He's fucked up, dude. So on June 1st, 1889, the 22-year-old Wright married 18-year-old Kitty. Wright's mother, uh, Anna, collapsed at the wedding. She did not want another woman by his side. Healthy. <laughs> Healthy relationship there. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. So, I mean, and there's more to come. So the titular Louis Sullivan of Adler and Sullivan helped get the newlyweds, Frank and Kitty, started out financially by giving Frank a five-year employment contract, the a much-discussed five-year employment contract. Uh, he also loaned Frank $5,000 to build a house. Wow. Frank took the money, bought a lot in Oak Park, Illinois. All right, remember we talked about the deed, uh, it, which is a suburb of Chicago in case... Nobody yeah. knew that. I mean, we've talked about Oak Park a lot. South side suburb. Yeah, south. Uh, more, I would say or west. It, or is it west? West. Oh, yeah, it is west. West. What am I thinking of? I don't know. There, everything is fucking named Oak or Grove. Yeah. I'm or, thinking of Tinley Park. Yeah, it's, it's close. Everything's Park or an Oak or yeah. a Grove or whatever. Right, right. Or a Deer. It's got Deer in it. Everything's yep. got fucking Deer in it. Just mm. come up with some original names. Jesus yeah. Christ. Like Sphincterville. Sphincterville. <laughs> Shit stain town. <laughs> Donkey Ball City. <laughs> ass scratch. I live in ass scratch. I got ass scratch fever. <laughs> yeah, my name's Ted Nugget. I got ass scratch fever. Woo woo! Shooting off my bow, shooting off my crossbows. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ted Nugget. <laughs> Ass scratch fever. <laughs> so anyway. I wish I knew another Ted Nugent song, but I don't. No, <laughs> I don't. Anyway. Uh, <clears throat> so Frank bought this lot in Oak Park. Um, he gave the house that was already on the lot to his mother <laughs> and built a house next to it to live with Kitty. Healthy. There's more... More evidence of a super healthy relationship between Frank and his mother. Jesus fucking Christ. So despite Louis Sullivan's loan and the overtime pay he gave Frank for all of his work, uh, Frank was constantly short on money. Uh, he admitted that his poor finances were likely due to his expensive tastes in wardrobe and vehicles and the extra luxuries he designed into his house. Wow. Like a whole room full of chandeliers. <laughs> so uh, within five years of marriage, Frank and Kitty had four of their altogether six children. All right, so uh, strap in here because we're going to go through the list and give you the birth years of each of their children. You bet we are. First, there was Frank Lloyd Wright Jr., who was born in 1890, um, which, keep in mind, they got married June of 1889, so they didn't waste any time. 
then there was John Lloyd Wright, who was born in 1892, Catherine Wright, 1894, David Samuel Wright, 1895. Then, after an actual break in birthing babies, there was Francis Wright Carreau in 1898 and Robert Llewellyn Wright in 1903. Wow. Whew. So, in 1903, the same year Robert Llewellyn Wright was born, uh, when uh, Frank was designing house, uh, while Frank was designing a house for Edwin Cheney, who was a neighbor in Oak Park, uh, Frank became enamored with Cheney's wife, Mama. Whoa, Mama! Mama, hubba, Mama. So Frank and Mama. Whoa, Mama. Whoa, Mama. I don't know. I wrote that and I just couldn't stop laughing about. Whoa, Mama. Yeah, that's what he said. Yowza! He like he's driving in his like very expensive jalopy at the time, like a fucking Model T. He's got a monocle, big, big yeah. cigar, top hat. Yeah, wearing a fucking very fancy suit. <laughs> Rolls down the monocle. Whoa, Mama! <laughs> beep 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 beep. <laughs> Radiator of the fucking car <laughs> shoots up. Whoa, so- baby! Let me get some of that bullshit. I'm an architect, baby. <laughs> Come on. My ma. It is Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright. Very uh, historically uh, accurate impression. Frank Lloyd Wright. Oh, my ma. My ma. <laughs> Out. <laughs> Ball one. <laughs> so. Oh, God. Uh, Frank and Mama's relationship became the talk of the town in Oak Park. Oh, I bet. Uh, because they often could be seen taking rides in Wright's automobile through the town. Oh, God. Oh, baby. They're canoodling. They're canoodling. Uh, so in 1909, uh, Frank and Mama met up in Europe, leaving their spouses and children behind. Jesus Christ. Uh, Frank stayed in Europe for almost a year, first in Florence, uh, where he lived with his eldest son, Lloyd. Uh, and later in Fisol, Italy, where he lived with Mema. During this time, uh, Edwin Cheney, Mema's husband, ga- granted a divorce to Mema, uh, but Kitty, Kitty Wright, still refused to grant one to Frank. So after Frank returned to the United States in October of 1910, he persuaded his mother to buy land for him in Spring Green, Wisconsin. Uh, Frank began to build himself a new home, which he called Taliesin, uh, and he started that by May of 1911. Uh, Frank moved Mama in with him, effectively abandoning his family with Kitty. Oh, Mama. Oh, Mama. So, on August 15th, 1914, while Frank was working in Chicago, a servant at Taliesin uh, named Julian Carlton, uh, who had supposedly been fired by Mama, uh, set fire to the living quarters <laughs> of. Hold on. Set fire to the living quarters of Taliesin and then murdered seven people with an axe as the fire burned. What the fuck? So the dead <laughs> from this attack included Mama. What? Her two children with Edwin Cheney, John and Martha Cheney, uh, a gardener named David Lindblom, a draftsman named Emile Brodel. Hey, work- what are these names? <laughs> a workman named Thomas Brunker. Come on. That's Mr. Bunker. Thomas, Thomas Brunker. Come on. <laughs> and another workman's son uh, named Ernest Weston. Holy fuck. So seven people axe murdered while the while Taliesin burned. Uh, so Julian Carlton swallowed hydrochloric acid immediately following the attack. What? In an attempt to kill himself. He didn't die and was taken to jail. He then died from starvation seven weeks after the attack 
despite receiving medical attention. Holy shit. Why the, oh my God, that's fucking insane. Whoa, Mama. <laughs> Rip Mama. <laughs> I mean, Rip Mama. Rest in piss. Oh, man. That's so, fucked up. Yeah. So in 1922, Kitty Wright finally granted Frank a divorce. So this is. Hey, sorry that your eight, mistress finally eight died. Eight years after the after the fire at Taliesin. What kind of card do you get somebody for that? It's like, hey, sorry that your mistress died in an axe murder and fire. Sorry that your mistress. Hallmark, do you make a card like that? Sorry that your mistress. Hey, it's like a it's like a real sad looking elephant. Yeah. It's like kind of a blue hue to the front of the card, and it's uh-huh. like, hey, I heard about what happened to your mistress and her natural children with her former husband. Just want to say I'm thinking of you. <laughs> so, Frank and Kitty finally get divorced in 1922. Under the terms of the divorce, though, Frank was required to wait one year before he could marry his then mistress. He moved on to another mistress uh, named Maud Miriam Knoll. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, Maud. Whoa, Maud. So, <laughs> so. Uh, Frank started up a relationship with Miriam shortly after Mayma's murder. Um, it, Jesus Christ, dude. Keep wait. it in your fucking pants. Uh, Frank also moved Miriam into Taliesin again years before he was divorced from Kitty. Now, Frank and Miriam's relationship started because Miriam sent Frank romantic sympathy notes. What? After the murders at Taliesin. She referred to Frank as, quote, Lord of my waking dreams. Oh, baby. And, I mean, frankly... No red flags in this relationship that I can see. <laughs> this is so If I had to up. guess, I would say that this probably, they were married for the rest of their lives and everything was fine. So anyway, uh, Frank and Miriam finally got married in November of 1923 after the year had passed uh, as per the divorce decree. Uh, but Miriam's addiction to morphine led to the failure of the marriage in less than one year. What the fuck? Yeah, right, she was a morphine addict. Oh my so, god, it's not over yet, bunk bunkers. There's more. We're only like a part of the way through. Holy so, fuck! In 1924, after the separation, after Frank and Miriam separated, uh, but while they were still married, Frank met Olga Ol- Olga uh, Olga uh, Lazovich Hinzenberg, who went by Olgivana, uh, who was 32 years younger than Frank. Olgivana, <laughs> Olgivana. <laughs> So she was 32 years younger than Frank and was also a married mother when what they met. What the fuck? And you got to admit, Frank's got a type. Dude, this guy's got mommy issues. He's got a type. Big time. <laughs> Holy fuck. Healthy. So healthy. Frank and Olgivana moved in together at Taliesin in 1925. I thought it burned down. Well, he rebuilt it. <laughs> After the fire, he rebuilt it. He rebuilt it. Yeah. That's so fucked up. It's still there today. You could go visit. You could go visit. It's in Wisconsin. <laughs> we'll take a field trip someday. Sure. Spring Green. Yeah. So um, <laughs> so they moved in together at uh, Taliesin in 1995. In 1925, did Frank and Olgivana. And soon after that, Olgivana became pregnant. Oh my God. Uh, their daughter, who was born out of wedlock, uh, Iovana, uh, was born on December 2nd, 1925. So on April 20th, 1925, uh, this is before uh, Ivana was born, another fire destroyed the bungalow at Taliesin. Not the bungalow. The bungalow. Crossed wires from a newly installed telephone system were deemed to be responsible for the fire. 
which destroyed a collection of Japanese prints that Frank estimated to be worth $250,000 to $500,000, um, which would be like in $2020, like $3.5 million to just over $7 million in Jesus value. Jesus Christ. That all burned up in the fire, in the bungalow. This motherfucker. So in 1926, uh, Olgivana's ex-husband, Vladimir Hinzenberg. Come on. With these fucking names. A lot of good names in this one. This is unbelievable. Vladimir Hinzenberg. Whoa, Vladimir Hinzenberg. <laughs> oh, Vladimir. It's Vladimir. Yeah. It's not Vladimir. Uh, so Vladimir was seeking custody of his daughter with Olgivana, who is named Svetlana. Svetlana Hinzenberg. Which sounds like a fake actress in a movie. Svetlana Hinzenberg. Anyway. Sve- <laughs> I can't, I can't take it, these names. So while Vladimir is trying to get custody of Svetlana, Miriam, Frank's, uh, at the time, wife? I, I'm, at, I think at the they're time, married. Wife, I they're think still they're married. married at this point, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Miriam contrived to have Frank charged with violating the Mann Act, which if you're not familiar with the Mann Act. Which was, of course, part of the Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla show, The Man Show. Right, yeah. This was, this was the- uh, Where like, they decreed a law. Right, yeah. <laughs> But the Man Act is basically this law that uh, is it's it's about like transporting girls across state lines for immoral purposes. So of course it's called the Man Act. So yeah, right. It's M A N N. So Miriam decided that Frank should be charged for violating the Man Act for he trans- brought a woman across for state transporting lines. a woman, Miriam. She for her. She was charging, she was suggesting that he should be charged for transporting her, herself, across state lines for quote-unquote immoral purposes. Now, your wife did a similar thing when you took a trip. You, you just right. took a fun trip to Wisconsin together. Right. And, no, and as soon as you crossed state lines. It was lines, our honeymoon. She realized she'd made a horrible mistake. Contacted authorities. <laughs> said you violated the Man Act. Right. And they agreed. Yeah, they agreed. Tis no man. <laughs> Tis a remorseless eating machine. Anyway, all of this legal, legal, oh, legal God. trouble forced Frank and Olgivana into hiding. <laughs> Had to go on the lamb. Okay. So in October 1926, Frank and Olgivana were actually accused. They are like legitimately accused by authorities of violating the Man Act, and they got arrested in Tonka Bay, Minnesota. The charges, though, were eventually dropped. Oh my God. So also in 1926, it's a busy time for Frank. Uh, Frank's bank attempted to foreclose on Taliesin. Uh, so Frank and Olgivana tried to get away from all these legal problems and foreclosure on Taliesin by going to California. I mean, as you do, as you do. just run away from your problems. Yeah. Uh, so Miriam then tried to have them arrested in California. Um, so Frank and Miriam's divorce finally went through in 1927. Um, Frank was again required to wait for one year before remarrying. So he did. And then he and Olgivana got married in 1928. In the summer of 1928, while they were still in California, Miriam showed up and paid a visit to Frank at Olgavana's home in La Jolla, where she destroyed $1,000 worth of furnishings in the home. This is unfucking believable The whole thing went to court. They charged Miriam with destroying the property in their house. Oh, my God. Uh, in the summer of 1928, and Miriam was sentenced to 30 days in jail. Uh, the sentence was suspended, uh, con- contingent on Miriam paying the homeowner for the damage. Um, 
As a fuck you to Frank and Olgivana, though, Miriam brought countercharges in court against them of being lewd and dissolute persons. Whoa! Holy fuck! Now, I mean, Art, you gotta admit, it's lucky that nobody's ever brought charges of being lewd and dissolute persons against us because- Oh my god. We would definitely lose that case. I didn't even realize that was a law. I mean, I can't wait for my band director to file charges <laughs> for me being lewd and dissolute. They would have so many character witnesses from all the one-star <laughs> reviews. You could fill it. Holy shit. You could fill an arena with all the people that have written us one-star reviews. Yeah. So yikes. Holy fuck. Uh, so, so that happened. Now, in 1932, Frank and Olgivana put out a call for students to come to Taliesin to study and work under Frank while they learned architecture and spiritual development. Oh, okay. That was Olgivana's contribution. Frank does the architecture. She does the uh, spiritual development. Uh, so they called it the Taliesin Fellowship. And my axe. <laughs> Said the ghost of that fucking servant guy that they fired. <laughs> Holy oh, shit. God, I didn't even think about that. Just anytime I hear fellowship, I just immediately think of Gimli. Yeah. And but you're my right. Axe. I guess it was Julian Carlton saying that. Yeah. And my axe. From the, from the grave. Uh, so... A total of 625 people joined the Taliesin Fellowship in Wright's lifetime. Uh, Wright used the fellowship to find workers for projects he was working on. Um, there was quite a bit of controversy over the living conditions and education of the fellows in the oh program. My God. One apprentice wrote, quote, He is devoid of consideration and has a blind spot regarding others' qualities. Yet I believe that a year in his studio would be worth any sacrifice. Wow. Unquote. So, I mean, it sounds a little bit like Stockholm Syndrome, but very much. This so, is very much a cult. Uh, speaking to the New York Post, co-author of 2006, The Fellowship, and my axe, Roger Friedland said, uh, quote, they not only worked in the drawing room, but farmed his crops, made his food, cleaned, and paid tuition for it. It was brilliant because Wright was broke. This dude quote. is a cult leader. He's a cult leader. Uh, because there were so many men and so few women at Taliesin, Friedland said, the rights dictated their workers' sex lives, rotating the few women as needed. What? On the plus side, Friedland noted, many young gay men found the compound a safe space during homophobic times. I, I can't fucking believe what I'm reading. <laughs> he literally, like, how has this never been made into a fucking movie? Because this is nuts. This is crazy. This is fucking crazy. There's too much for a movie. You'd have to make a freaking trilogy. You'd have to make a fucking limited series on I mean, HBO. 19... 1920 through 1928 alone is one film. Jesus Christ. Uh, so. He started a fucking cult. Basically, yeah. Oh, my God. Built around himself. He was the cult leader. Jesus. So, uh, fast forward a little bit to April 4th, 1959. Frank uh, was hospitalized for abdominal pains and was operated on April 6th. Uh, he seemed to be recovering, but he died quietly on April 9th. You might think this was the end of Frank's drama, but if that's what you think. Clearly, you haven't been paying attention to that's, the rest of this that's episode. That's very true. So, according to Frank's wishes, his body was interred in the Lloyd Jones Cemetery, this family cemetery, next to the Unity Chapel. Oh boy, Chapel! Oh my God, I got so many jelly beans in my mouth now. I don't swallow them; I just keep putting them in. <laughs> so, uh, this was his family's, his mother's family's uh, cemetery, the Lloyd Jones Cemetery, which was next to the Unity Chapel near Taliesin in Wisconsin. Now, Olgivana's dying wish had been that Frank, she, and their daughter, uh, and her daughter by her first marriage, all be cremated and interred together 
in a memorial garden being built at Taliesin West, the home they built together in Arizona. Although Olgivana had taken no legal steps to move Frank's remains, uh, and against the wishes of other family members, as well as the Wisconsin legislature in 1985, uh, Frank's remains were removed from his grave by members of the Taliesin Fellowship, cremated, and sent to Scottsdale, where they were later interred in the Memorial Garden. Frank's original grave in Wisconsin is empty, but still marked with his name. Holy fuck! And that's Frank Lloyd Wright's fucked up life. Holy shit, dude. Bunk bunkers. The drama didn't end when he died. Holy the shit. The fellowship dug up, they dug <laughs> dug up, up his, his body, body, cremated it, and, and sent it to Arizona. <laughs> oh my God. They dug up his corpse. <laughs> and then they burned it. And then they sent the ashes to Arizona. Who would have known this fucking gifted architect? It's such a fucked up life. So fucked up. Oh my God, bunkfunkers. I mean, that's a crazy fucking story. I don't know mm-hmm. what, I don't care what you're saying. I mean, <laughs> that's a crazy fucking story. Look, I didn't know any of this. I knew next to I didn't nothing know any about of this. Frank Lloyd How Wright. How did we come across this topic? No one sent this in. No, this is one, you know, uh, look, we did. Um, you were perusing something. What did we do recently? Uh, Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. And I really liked doing Mother Teresa. Yeah, you like we like shitting on people. I like I like taking somebody that people think is a good person and being like, "Hey, but here's why they fucking suck." <laughs> um no, I do think that it's interesting though because you know, in popular culture and, you know, popular memory, a lot of people are remembered fondly. You know, it's yeah. not it's not polite, I guess, in society to like shit on the dead or to like speak ill of the dead unless they're like universally reviled. Sure. Like anybody can say any fucking thing about hitler nobody cares right right, right. like nobody's gonna be like mm, should be respectful of the dead it's right. like you know, like whatever right but you know you start saying stuff about mother Teresa, and people are like well she did a lot of good stuff and it's like yeah well no she didn't fuck you uh and so i was like hey let me let me look out are there any other <laughs> people that are sort of like mother Teresa that are kind of like very well respected or like right you know seemingly have like good public reputations but actually are kind of pieces of shit and I don't know so much. I guess Frank is kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. But I his mean, life is just so fucked up. I was like, I can't believe what I'm reading. I know. You, and I was like, this really has got to be a debunked. You got to think. Yeah. You don't think of this guy having this crazy, especially like the 1800s and like the early, the time turn of the century. You don't think of that as being like a fucked up debaucherous time. But like, this is very fucked up. Extremely. Uh, there's an axe murder. An axe murder. One axe murder would be like a defining trait in anyone's life. This guy had like multiple fucking axe murders and a f- multiple fires and started a cult. People dug up his grave, like married multiple women and had multiple mistresses. I had, I, I watched crazy. Well, I watched, I watched like a Wisconsin, like local news uh, broadcast. Yeah. I mean, mostly I was watched. I watched it to like, learn how to pronounce some of the names to make sure I was saying them right. Okay. Um, but they had an author they were interviewing as part of this piece. And he basically described the whole axe murder as like, this is like almost, it was, it was, it was in the press at the time, but this is like one of those things that Frank managed to like bury. Jesus almost. Christ. You know, like it was very much in the press. His personal life was very much in the press at the time, but he managed to like write the ship no pun intended. I guess I was kind of trying to go for a pun, but I didn't want to necessarily make the one that I did. Okay. But anyway, All right. he was able to write the ship 
and like basically correct the public perception of his life. Jesus Christ. So he like, he managed to like get people to ignore all of this lewd Hey, didn't, didn't somebody stuff. fire a servant at your, at your fucking estate and then they went on a murderous rampage and burnt it down and killed your mistress and all like her fucking Look children? at these lithographs. <laughs> Look at how the fireplace is in the center. <laughs> slab, it's slab on grade. The only thing I want slab on grade is some ribs, you know what I'm saying? I had ribs from here tonight. Did you really? By the way, yeah. From Costco. Wow. Are they good? They were okay. Were they on sale? They tasted good. Oh, no. They were not sale. Oh, God, I squashed my testicles right across my legs. Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. And he's an axe murderer. (laughs) Buckfuckers, I mean, you know what? Let us know what you think. Is this guy's life fucked up or not? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean... It's pretty. It's fucked up. If you think if you if you go to Frank Lloyd Wright's life and you're like, that's not so bad. Like I want to hear about your life. You're right. you're the next subject for debunked. You are. Um, Give us your life story. But anyway, Bunker Jeremy. Was- <laughs> yeah, we are gonna ready to see your comments, Jeremy. We already know what you're gonna say. John? John Hendricks. You gonna post a meme about it? God, all right. All right, all right. No, and you know what's really fucked up? You said one axe murder would be enough. One axe murder and arson on your home would be enough for like to make most people's life like, oh, that's a pretty fucked up event in that person's life. And then off the back of that, to start getting sultry condolence letters. Oh my god. From a woman, and then you start a relationship with her. And she turns out to be addicted to morphine. A morphine so addict. So you ditch her. So you, and you go date some like Eastern European woman or whatever. Who's Obivana, also married. Who's married to a fucking vampire. <laughs> who wants his fucking children back. He's like half I vampire. must have back my daughter. <laughs> Bring her back to my family castle. I must have my dear Ogavana. Um, <laughs> um, Svetlana! <laughs> Svetlana? Ogivana? Svetlana? I will take you to court as long as the court can meet at night. <laughs> it's night court. I want to see a remake of Night Court, but everybody's vampires. Blah! It's me, Bull, the bailiff. Uh, I've never seen the show. Ow. Um, Harry Anderson. What'd you call me? Um, whoa, Mama. And, um, whoa, Mama. Whoa, Mama. Um, so that's it's just, it's an unbelievable fucking story. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, this guy was fucking slinging homes, slaying puss, and slinging homes left and right. It's incredible. He's a freaking. He's a home wrecker. He's a home wrecker. He's a home, home builder. <laughs> home wrecker. The home wrecking home builder. I mean, if look, if Frank Lloyd Wright were alive today and he was an architect and he was like, you know what? I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a series of ads for my architecture business, but I want to look like I'm a personal injury attorney. It would have been like <laughs> Do you need a house built or do you need your wife seduced? Boom. Call Frank Lloyd Wright, the home wrecking home builder. <laughs> and he like busts through a wall and he's like, oh, fuck your wife and build a house. Do you need a new shed and your wife needs some new dick? Call me Frank Lloyd Wright. 
Call 888 Oh, my God. Oh, fuck. Bunk fungers. Jesus Christ. My face hurts. Wow. My ribs hurt from laughing. This has been a really fun episode. <laughs> yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, this guy's life is so fucked up. So fucked up. <laughs> so fucked up. Um, well, we hope you enjoyed this uh, trip down Frank Lloyd Wright Lane, Ugh. Bunk Funkers. Um, I agree with Art. Let us know what you think about Frank Lloyd Wright's fucked up life. Uh, do you think it's fucked up or do you think it's cool as hell? Yeah. <laughs> is this guy a badass pimp? <laughs> Frank Lloyd Wright, fucked up dude or badass pimp? You be the judge here on Andy and Art Debunked. Um, was I wrongly banned from going to Europe? <laughs> Let us know. I think I know the answer to that, Paul. Yeah, the answer is no. Uh, it was right. It was just. It was the correct decision. But you know what? I'm still bitter. But hey, Got I'm bitter a good about story everything that never happened to me in my life. It's true. Yeah. So, Art, do you have any closing remarks you'd like to make? I don't know. I don't think there's anything I could say other than, uh, whoa, mama. <laughs> whoa, mama, ooga. Uh, whoa, mama, ooga. Whoa, Mima. Well, Bunk Funkers, whether you're listening to us in Taliesin, yeah. whether you're in California, or whether you're in Massachusetts, Massachusetts, we hope you had a great time here on Andy and Art Debunked. And hey, uh, I'm going to go to the bathroom and make my own falling water now. <laughs> and falling stool. Thank you for joining us on the most highbrow podcast on Earth. <laughs> the number Andy one podcast. Abandon Europe. <laughs> Well, Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.